Jeff Ogilvy survives Wingfoot. Now the moment Aaron Bradley has waited. Curry Webb is the five-time Australian Open champion. Golf at its best by one of the best in golf, Peter Thompson. Stand in front of a crowd like this today and win the PGA Championship is pretty special. He's done it at last. Greg Norman. his name on the Stonehaven Cup. Leishman to 11 under. Now we've got a new leader, kids. Here it is, Adam Scott. A life changer. Coming up next, you have unrestricted access to golf across Australia and the world. Thanks to Golf Australia, we're going inside the ropes. Subscribe now on iTunes or your favourite podcast app or head to golf.org.au. G'day everybody, welcome to Inside the Ropes, episode number 114. I'm very confident of uh, the the order of things these days. Lovely to have you with us. Big show today. It's always a big show when uh, there's a certain somebody alongside Mark Hayes who is here. That is uh, point number one we need to make. Hello to you, Hazy. Hello, Murray. The fan club will be happy because Matty Cutler is in town. (laughs) Hello, Andy. Hello, Mark. Hello, mate. G'day, Matt. Going all right. Can we just have our obligatory 45 seconds on the Carlton Footy Club before Quickly. you can? No, we, can. we cannot. Why not? No, we only talk about teams that are going places. How many years until we – will it be next season that we give Hawthorne officially given Winburn on the way past and then you won't see us for dust for about another two That's decades? That's uh, yes from me. Yep. Welcome to episode 114 of Inside the Road. Big show today. <laughs> Matty Jones, mad Carlton supporter. He's going to join us on the show. And we're also <laughs> going to catch up with Charlie Robbins, the Ninja Warrior. Also a Carlton supporter who thinks they're going to give Hawthorne Winburn on the way past. He's joining us on the show a little bit later on as well, Hazy. He is. Joey Charlton's caught up with the Ninja. The Ninja um, Warrior. It's a good feat to catch up with a Ninja just quietly. Did either of you two see, actually see any of him on uh, Ninja Warrior, funnily enough? Yeah, no, I definitely watched the final. Mm. Um, geez, just super impressive. <laughs> as an athlete, I mean... In his golf gear too. No yeah. one's ever looked so good in Under Armour gear, th- pouncing and poncing around, you know, hurdles and things all <laughs> over the place, obstacles, things all over the place. I think he uh, he did a good job for everyone that weighs under 70 kilos too. There's some big guys on that show. Power to weight uh, ratio. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah, he did well. It'd be a better show if there were piranha in the pool. <laughs> <laughs> like if there was a price to be paid, like yeah. a real price to be paid. I think you're onto something there. Some thorns, you know. <laughs> <laughs> they fell onto if they instead of the soft cushion acid. Ah, oh, it's a soft landing. <laughs> those blokes have. So there's no price to pay for buggering it up. Yeah. You know. Anyway, we're not here to talk about Ninja Warrior. No, we're here okay. to talk yeah. about this is this is um you know let's see, this is how Reg Grundy I'm sure made his fortune coming up with new game shows. This is pilot well, week. Go, yeah, pilot week's coming up. Yeah. What's pile of the week? Pilot week. Oh, pilot week. I thought yeah. pile of the week was going to be, be a new segment, segment on the show. Yeah. <laughs> pile of the week. A steaming pile yeah. of the week, but we won't go there. <laughs> One of the golf courses this week. Um, <laughs> hopefully, fingers crossed, Matty Jones. We're um, we're hoping he's going to be. So we just put that little caveat on uh, our our wishful thinking around Matt Jones actually picking up his phone and answering it. Can I put to you two, and I'll and then you two go wherever you want after that. That despite the fact that Steve Smith has led the Australians to a stunning turnaround victory at Edgebaston in the first test and done what only four other Australians have done preceding him. I put to you that a 20-year-old girl out of Japan is actually the biggest sports story globally of the week. Uh, this is an unbelievable story. What this? And I'd never heard of Hanako Shibuna. I'd never heard of her before. But this is an unbelievable story. Well, that makes two of us. Um, she was number 46 on the Rolex rankings, but uh, she does all her work in Japan, so... Well, obviously she does hazy. You said she's never been out of the country. Never played a tournament outside Japan. This is staggering. This is genuinely a staggering story. Yeah. Uh, You know, we love Steve Smith, but that's such an Australian-England thing. This is a global thing. Shibuno, uh, it's amazing. It's genuinely amazing. We keep finding these stories and you think, this cannot be real. Someone's scripting this stuff and that's... Just next level. So she walks onto 18T knowing she's got to make birdie to win part a tie. The weight of the world should be on her shoulders. <laughs> there's a tunnel that I don't know whether you saw this yeah. vision, but there's a sort of a tunnel walk that you walk through and it's, there's spectators sort of lining either side. She's slapping high fives with them. She's having a great assignment. Then she stripes her drive down the middle of the fairway. And then she does what any 15 handicapper or any golfer in the world would never do. 
as she waits for her second shot, she dares to mention the S word to her caddy before she hits her shot. <laughs> Everybody knows that if you say that word, it will happen. Don't, don't, you don't. It, it, this, she does it. She says the word that rhymes with bank, and I can't even say it out loud. <laughs> I didn't know where you were going then for a minute. She said the shank <laughs> word. No, it was amazing, and joking with her caddy. About it, you know, it was, uh, she was, as... there's something in it. She was having fun. Oh, Hannah Green was high fiving, having fun. She was having fun. I mean, maybe it's a deliberate ploy to get the stress out, but it didn't look like it. it looked like she was just engaged. Dead set genuine, wasn't she? Yep. She was loving the moment and then knocks it to 20 feet and makes the putt. Well, I mean, the putt, I'm not sure what direction. Let's just say for the argument of purpose here, Andy, that she was facing south. That putt would have ended in the English Channel. That was so <laughs> far through the hole. So, uh, that was unbelievable that it went in. But it never, I mean, she just stepped up and rammed it. She didn't care. She just did it. And, yeah. you know, I feel for Lizette Salas, who hit a really good putt herself. She did. Uh, and on top of just an amazing round of golf that she put in, mm. just a, and a delightful woman, Lizette Salas. Um, so it would have been nice for her to win too, but, you know, two great stories, and we, we, got, a, we got a great winner. So remarkable. And just an, <laughs> add another one to this game that, uh, the depth of talent in this game around the world, men's and women's, is ridiculous. Maddie and I, in preparing for this, we were talking about the women, US Women's Amateur, which we'll come back to later. Uh, and we were talking about, you know, how many um, Australians are going to make the, you know, the top 64, the match play, et cetera, and, and where that would rank this generation of up-and-comers um, in, uh, in terms of the global sort of picture. And Maddie goes, don't jump to too many conclusions, Hazy, because there's not many Koreans in that field. Mm. And then you think, oh yeah, and it's probably there are a handful of Japanese players, but yes. not but not masses. No, and as a point of reference, Shibuno never made the Japanese national teams as an amateur in the last few years, so she sat outside of those, which 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 can happen, but <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. they're a mini Korea, Japan. They're yeah. coming. They're, oh, they're coming thick and fast too. They they're, they're awesome, you know. They, and they've got such a great relationship with Australia in terms of amateur thing. Um, primarily through um, through Gareth, yep, Gareth Jones. Um, it's great because we've got we've got to see them at a handful of events. You know, the Australian Amateur, um, the Queen Syracuse, all these things when they actually send out some pretty solid teams. And you know, they're a force. They're mm. a genuine force on the rise here. So we're gonna we're gonna have um, a, a bunch of non-American flags <laughs> at the top of these major championships that we don't necessarily see with the traditional pathways to get there. So it's great. So I've been, uh, and you've, we've all done this together, we've, we've embraced the hashtag golden era, thinking that, you know, rightfully so, that we've got this great crop of young players, boys and girls coming out of Australia. And we do. There's no question about that. Hannah Green wins the previous major championship on the women's side. Well, the one prior to the two that have just recently been played. <laughs> I forget about Evian, which is easily done. Um, but you see what's happening around the world. And when you try and lay that into some sort of context as to what's happening elsewhere, it is a sharp reminder that this is a game that is generating a lot of exceptionally gifted young players. And you've only got to look at what's happening in the women's British to see that. But then you look at three recent winners on the men's side of the game in the PGA Tour, you think, blimey, we've actually we've got some work to do here. We do. And we talk about in the high-performance area about creating top 100 players. Well, there's only 100 spots in that top 100. Yes. <laughs> and if we want to push a couple up every year, well, we've got to push a couple out. And every other country wants to push two, three. China probably wants 10 in there every year. So, Is there yeah. a number, Maddie? If, if, do, when you have this conversation, do you settle on what – Forget about looking at the individuals, but you go, we, we, at any given time, there or thereabouts, we should have, our aim is to have eight men and six women. Is there a number that you feel is a, is a good there's, number? There's probably a gut feel number, um, which, yeah, I mean, six and eight's probably not far off it. Yeah, but in yeah. terms of how many should be pushing through, I mean, if, if you get one a year, really, that has really good success and solid success, we'd probably take that, to be honest. Yeah. So you look over in America in the last, I should have checked my uh, dates, but would have been five weeks ago, Matthew Wolf wins, five or six weeks ago, there or thereabouts. Yep. Yep. He wins at 20 uh, and beats DeChambeau and a kid called Colin Murakawa, who's 22. Three weeks later, or four weeks later, Murakawa wins at 22. Frank's the form that he displayed behind Wolf. And then on the weekend, again, I apologise to the Poston. Is it the Poston or Potson? Poston. Poston. 
I apologise to the Postons. They're big listeners. Oh, I'd never heard of this bloke. I'd never heard of JT Pot. 26, he bobs up and wins. So in the last five or six weeks, we've had three American winners 26 years and under. And I put there, we knew about Wolf coming through. His name was out there. But I'm tipping a lot of people would have overlooked Morikawa Morica- despite his, you know, his, his, blue, his blue chip college career. And I'm tipping a lot of golfers have never heard of JT before. A lot of golf fans have never heard of him before. I think there's some loose relatives in the Poston family who haven't heard of JT before this weekend, <laughs> just saying. That's what I'm about. So therefore, you go, and I know the fields aren't, you know, super. I mean, anytime there's a PGA Tour event, it's a good field. Like, so let's take that as a given. But they're not super stocked no. with top-end talent, these these tournaments. I'm, I'm sure Matt's got some thoughts on this, but I, I just think it's um, – it's it's an indictment on the scheduling mm. that we have this rash of winners, and I'm not denigrating what they've done. We wouldn't be doing that if it was Cam Davis winning or no, Curtis no. Luck winning. That's, you know what no. I mean? Like absolutely we'd be we'd true. be singing from the ice rafters if it was one of our blokes winning it. That's absolutely. I, so they're two. They are two different. I'd cut you off them. The point you're about to make is a really valid one, and it's quite a separate one from the one that. Yeah, and I, and I I take your point because we would. I'd you know if Cam Davis had won, we'd be you know we going nuts, but. Um, the truth of the matter here is that as, as good as Wolf and Morikawa look right now, they're competing against yep. second-tier PGA Tour fields. So, you know, it's it's well and good to win the Barracuda or, or whatever when they're playing a WGC or mm. a major championship. That's where all the big fish are, are swimming. So, you know, we just don't see. Um, the, the event just gone was previously on the uh, FedEx Cup playoffs, but by rescheduling, it's just mm. become an inverted commas, a normal tour event. And so the big guns don't go. They don't They don't get there even. So they're waiting for the three-week stretch now that we're about to come up to mm. for the playoffs and the big money. So it leaves the leaves the door wide open. Uh, the scheduling's got, um, you know, there's a lot of good things to it, Matt, but there's a few issues too. Yeah, the sh- it felt like, and we said this earlier, it felt like they played four days of a grand final at Portrush and then we turn up the next week and we're playing again. Mm. It's like... It just, the schedules, the condensed major schedule and then the WGC the week after Portrush sort of got lost and we don't see it on our normal screens anymore out no, here, so you no. forget they're on. And then they turn up for the Wyndham and, I mean, what you say is right, they are not the top tier events, they're still serious players and oh, obviously yeah. you, you get that, but it just doesn't flow. And then now we'll have three good fields in a row, but they're only playing for cash. What does it really matter? Yeah, yeah. So does it does it do does it shine a bright light on the majors, but diminish everything else? This yep. the way the schedule's worked out now. Yeah, that's what it feels like to me. To me too, and it's going to be worse next year in an Olympic year when it gets bumped around <laughs> to make sure that we can uh, the, fit the Tokyo mm. scenario into the into the schedule as well. So it may have been highlighted by the fact that there was a women's major on this week and. Some people's favourite women's major, albeit not on a women's major golf course. But, um, <laughs> no, I, I mean, the women's British um, would have taken some away from, from the PGA Tour. I'm not sure. happy with Wyburn? Oh, I think after watching what happened to Portrush and the golf course, Wyburn was a bit yeah. deflating. I don't disagree. I don't disagree. No, I firmly yeah. Yeah. agree. Yeah. You know, I'd like to hang it on Matt and leave him out to dry, but no, I don't really no, have no, to go along with, with him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So does it matter? So if the, I think we're all in agreement here about the back, like the very back end, all the points we're all, I think we're all in violent agreement with one another post port rush. Does it, therefore, does it matter? I don't care. I don't give a stuff about the FedEx Cup playoffs. I never have. They are they're irrelevant to me. I, I don't care about rich boys getting richer. We've said this on the show yep. before. I don't care who wins it. This is the time of the year when you say the word construct a lot. Well, but but it is, isn't it? It's it's <laughs> a it's a corp. It's a, it's a thing for a sponsor who's throwing a heap of money in front of you know the PGA Tour and really rich players. But it doesn't mean anything to us. I mean, no. the fan. We're not embracing this well, thing, I, are we? I wonder what the last few weeks are like for the regular golf fan. I mean, we work in the industry, so I'm getting up every morning seeing how Cameron Davis is going, of course, how yeah. Curtis Luck's doing, how Brett Coletta, and we'll get to that. So I've got a reason to to watch these events and see these results. But if you don't have a vested interest in players like that, is, are you watching? Is your interest there? I think there's a um, – I agree again, Matt. Jeez, this is really no, troubling. What's going on here? Um, yeah. Um, there's a groundswell of people who uh, don't 
want the powers that be in golf to give a continental about the NFL. And the NFL is the um, it's the elephant in the room here. Mm. Everything's moving because of the just the behemoth that is the NFL. Mm. Um, so that is you, fair dinkum, that talk, is it? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, no doubt. So yeah. that they uh, they know that as soon as uh, September comes around, um, you know, all eyes just fall straight on the NFL. And if you if you try to think of if for those who haven't been involved with the NFL in some capacity, um, whether it's even fantasy football or in, actually in the states to see it, it's the AFL times the NRL. I mean, it's just mm. an enormous beast. It dwarfs even their baseball. The only comparable thing is is basketball. You know, the college finals and the maybe the NBA finals. Oh, yeah. yeah. NFL was just so vast and they're trying to, they're trying to escape it. And w- what it's doing is diluting the product, not only for the jamming in the, the majors, but then we're going to come to September. The season starts in mid September straight away. And there's just a, a, a run of tournaments that are really, unless you have that vested interest, they're going to be pretty hard to watch, to be honest with uh. you. Um, and people, and rightly so, I'm not, I'm not getting away from this. People rightly potted the Australian open field, um, you know, last year in particular, at, at the lakes, the fields that are going to line up at the Shriners and, and that sort of thing, fries that traditionally have been there, um, they'll be deeper than what the Australian Open field is. not arguing that, but they won't have any star power at all. It'd be really hard. Mm. You'd be really hard pressed to sell it as a come and see X, come and see Poston, come and see, I don't mm. know, DA mm. points. He's probably mm. gone now, but that, you know, I love the initials. Yeah, we love yeah, the Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll come. JB. Well, JB. Well, no, yeah. We should actually wrap up the Women's British Open by referring back to JB Holmes um, because the, the, the winner, Andy Shibuno, was the quickest player on the planet. Makes so Matt good. Jones look so good. Yeah. Make, like a glacier. She's unbelievable. Um, but I just wanted to reference before we get away from that. Yeah. Sorry, we're jumping all over the place here. But the, the, the Australian women. Yeah, of course we should. Oh, yeah, I forgot to mention. Yeah, some good, some good finishes. I mean, despite that. On, at various stages, neither Minji or Hannah or Sue played their best golf, but they all they all hit the line pretty hard, didn't they? They did. Sarah Kemp was the one who didn't, but she still made the cut, mm. um, which is a good achievement in any major championship. Uh, she'll be better for that experience. Um, but Sue O, uh, 66, mm. uh, I think only beaten by Lizette Salas on the final day um, in terms of a fourth-round score, charged up to T21. Hannah Green... Found a stride on the weekend, 68-69 to close, T-16. And then Minji Lee, um, two two really solid rounds and, and a couple yeah. of unfortunate ones around them. We we judge Minji so harshly. You yeah. see T-11 and think it's a bit of an off week. But, <coughs> I mean, it's it's, yeah, it's it's phenomenal. Hannah's T-16 and I think Hazy maybe top 30 at Evian. Yep. Pretty impressive for her to back up uh, that major win at the PGA with two mm. solid results and a really good 68, 69 on the weekend. And she'll be better off uh, being able to next year plan her schedule a bit better to suit what she wants mm. to do rather than have to push hard to keep cards, et cetera, and then juggle the, you know, the just massive tidal wave that hit her career with the major championship. So I think that's really good science for Hannah. Absolutely. Has, just before, again, we generally hold the banisters for the last segment, but while we're... <laughs> Apropos of the women's, has Lexi Thompson ever been? Has she ever been on the edge of receiving a chat about um, uh, admission into the Bannister Files? Is she ever? Is she notoriously slow or not? Uh, she's deliberate. <laughs> she was doing my head in the other day. <laughs> oh, great! There was these green books have got to go. By the way, these green they, they are they are bad for the game. They're, they're going right. Am I? Has there been um, something about? There was talk about Does that. Does it talk about this or not? I don't think they've had the no, no. fork put in them, though. Am I making my, no, that's, okay, that's rattling around in the bell, making that up. But they are a blot on the game, these things. Uh, 100%. An absolute blot on the game. And she is a very, very intense student of the Green Reader. Like she's, and yep. for those who have been on the A Tour, any tour, doesn't regardless of which one, for a long time where there are repeat venues, God, it does my head in to watch people who have played that course 50 times in their career, standing over a four-foot putt and referring to a book. Oh. Well, the book the book is a tool that you can use, just like a yardage book, just like a caddy, just like anything. I think the issue should be just make sure you hit your shot in the right time. If you want to use the book, use the book. Mm. But don't go over time. And don't start looking at it when it's your turn. No, and that's the thing. That's be the... prepared. Be ready to hit. Yeah. That is the problem. Um, 
there's a whole lot of stuff we'll get to after our Ninja Warrior. Uh, fingers crossed, Matt Jones. Anything else for the opening chat before we get to the break? Yeah, well, we've, we've sort of flitted around everywhere, but we may as well keep going on the PGA Tour and the and the and your favourite, Andy, the Corn Ferry Tour. Oh yeah, um, big and we've Matty touched on. Um, oh, Cam Davis played well, didn't he? Cam Davis Cam, played well. Cam Davis yeah. played really well, and and um, he's finished his season well. He uh, he had his coach over there about a month ago, and mm. he's, I think he's had four. Maybe four finishes inside the top twenty-five. That's a good result, yeah. which is good. Which yeah, has got him funny. got yeah. him moving into those web finals with a bit of momentum. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so Cam, um, like Curtis Luck, is into that one twenty-six to two hundred category, um, where he'll have to go back and play uh, the three weeks of the Corn Ferry Finals, the so seventy-five from the PGA Tour and the top seventy-five from the from the Corn Ferry Tour get to. To play, and we'll get twenty-five more graduates mm-hmm. back out onto the onto the main tour. So he's in that category, as he's, as we said, Curtis Luck, um, Matt Jones, and hopefully our guest, and Matt Jones and Aaron Baddeley have had their um, passes or their cards ticked for next year. So that's a good result. Having that is both, a great result. Having both yep. started without full status for the year, a great achievement for them both. Good pros, you know, mm. just good professional. You know, that's what yeah. you that's what you got to do. And it's a really quirky story um, this past week before we get on to the Corn Ferry. John Lyris, who – do you know about this, Matty? I found out about this when the PGA Tour update came through. Uh, it's it's quite amazing. Uh, John Lyris is um, an amateur from St. Michael's, yep. I think, in Sydney and went away just to get some experience. And he, he pre-qualified for, uh, for, the, for the PGA Tour event at the weekend, the Wyndham, and – Thought I'm in the field. I'm going to turn pro. So he, he turned pro. He didn't. He was going away to play some amateur events and boost his experience levels. Basically, uh-huh. uh, pre-chopped into the field and turned pro and didn't make the cut. Didn't uh, disgrace himself by any measure. He finished three over, but wasn't enough to play the weekend. But he's he's stamped his papers now. He's in. He's in the paper. He's to on play the way. One way to do it. Yeah. yeah. No, nothing like taking the plunge, Andy. What's what's his name? I've never heard of John Lyris. From Sydney. Spell, can you spell the surname? L-Y-R-A-S. L-Y-R-A-S. What do we know about this guy? Uh, Not much. Really, former amateur. <laughs> <laughs> Recent former amateur. Coach, uh, no, he's, he's a good player, coached by John Sirhan up yep. at St. Michael's. He's, he's been on the amateur radar for a while, but never never played in a New South Wales state team. I think he's on the fringe of those yeah. teams, but never, never made it into an interstate series. Before you get to corn, before yes. you get to start chewing some corn, how is Curtis going? Okay. Yeah. What's I mean, the challenge? What, what's the challenge? What, what's he? What's the biggest challenge in front of him right now? Oh well, right now he's just got three weeks to to make hay, and he did it last year. Mm. This is the exact same way he got onto the PGA Tour from the web. Oh, yeah, it was web then. Uh, so he's got these three weeks. It's it's just tough. I yeah. mean, he had a a great week at the Zurich. Um, he plays a lot of great rounds, and then in the US on the US Tour, if you don't back up a Six or seven under with another six or seven under, yeah, yeah. you're going backwards. So he's um, he's played a, a good solid year. I mean, 170th on the money list is is not good oh, enough yeah, to yeah. keep your card. But but it's I yeah. mean it's he's making it's some serious money. golf. Yeah. So yeah. it's just tough out there. Mm. Okay, let's move on. KF, to KFT KFT. That's, that's probably what we're going yeah. to call it. I yeah. think because yeah. we can't keep going with that other full name. Why don't you like it? It doesn't sound like golf. Corn Ferry Tour. Okay. Nationwide's shipping, okay. Shipping, shipping Nike line Tour. Or, uh, that's something fine, you eat at the know, movies you know. or... Web. Web. You know, but... They've stumped up the cash. They deserve the promotion. Okay. <laughs> KFT. You're such, a com- you're such a company man these days, Cutler. You've changed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so let's get on to the Corn Ferry Go Tour. On. Go on. Um, we already, As we already know, uh, Rian Gibson... Uh, has stamped his papers. He's got his card all locked up in the top 25, sitting 12th as we speak, Andy. There is one event to go before the final start. And Come on. Portland this week. Come on. And you don't – the number we always look at, and we talked about meaningless uh, FedEx Cup playoffs to most people except the bank managers of the elite. This is the week on the American circuit, North American circuit – where I reckon you can really get your teeth into stories that have genuine meaning. It's a great tournament to watch. Yep. Yeah, so the Portland Open, um, get around it. If you can watch it this week, it's full of drama oh, from yeah. start to bubble, finish. Bubble, 
But you'll hear yeah. the word bubble mentioned yeah. a lot. <laughs> he will. <laughs> this is and the only week of the year where the projected uh, ranking actually means something. Yeah, yeah. And unfortunately for us, our man Brett Coletta, uh, inside the ropes of very own Brett Coletta, is is the man on the bubble. So he's he's the on bubble 25. Right? He is number 25. Okay, right. If he can do something this week, uh, he's in. If he can't, he stands a good chance of being out. And it's not over because you'll get to play in the finals yep. for the following three weeks and get in that way, hopefully. But we we hired a few Pythagorean theorists and we still couldn't come up with a, a simple calculation, Andy. Well, top 20... Top 20 gets him in, right? It's, if he finishes top 20 or there or thereabouts, it's going to be enough, right? Is yeah, that, is yeah that... well, there's so many different permutations yeah, as opposed yeah. to Depend- what happens yeah. above him and yeah. what happens below him and how well do they do. I mean, he's he's in a good position. Six weeks ago, he was 50th. Mm. And he said to me that he could be playing in three different places next year. He could be on the Corn Ferry. He could be on the PGA Tour. Or he could be back down in... Latin America or Canada or, mm. or one of those. So he's taken one of those out of the equation, which is a great start. He's guaranteed KFT as a minimum. Like it. And he's, he's got it all in front of him. He's got one week and he's had his coach, Marty Joyce, over there last week. Yep. So, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty buoyant. I'm pretty, pretty hopeful for him. So he actually um, made a bogey up his last hole of the second round this week and missed the cut by a shot. Didn't play badly, but, it, it you know, it, it's <laughs> – it's painful at this time of year when when that sort of stuff happens. Because, Ten you know, grand might make a bit of a difference, right? Yeah. You know, oh, well, he's right yeah, on the bubble. Yeah. This is a you know we talked um, a few weeks ago. Um, I've forgotten her name now. Uh, Cindy Clanton, who missed her card last year on the how LPGA could you forget tour Cindy by, Clant- by, by how eight dollars. How do you forget Cindy Clanton? No. <laughs> What's wrong with you? By eight eight dollars, and these things really can be you know critical for for young guys because. This is what this is everything that Brett Coletta has wanted for a long time. It is, it is. But Brett's the sort of guy that it'll, he's got his he's got his back up. He's okay, and yep. he'll just go and play. I mean, that's the, the psychologist talk. talk. But um, I mean, you can't do anything other than just play and see what happens. Yeah, he yeah. could have a really good week, and other guys have a better week, and he and he misses out. So whatever happens, Hazy. True, yeah. true. And, uh, the, and the other bloke in, in calculations here is um, amazingly took the week off last week. I didn't. I don't know why. I'm assuming he just had had enough for a little while. But Jamie Arnold from uh, from the Shire, Andy. Yes. Uh, he's not not Bilbo Baggins. Not not where not where they live. Not that Shire. Not that Shire. No, no. no. Uh, Thirty. He's thirty fifth on the uh, KFT standings. Oh, he hasn't got small furry, hairy feet. No. No. Okay. No. That's good. Oh, we, thank it's you. Good to clear that up. Thank I you. think. Uh, Brett Drewitt's still ticking around. Cameron Percy would be the other bloke who could potentially make it, but he's going to need probably a win. Um, you could conceivably see Jamie Arnold still make it with a second place maybe. Yep. This is my very loose maths. But obviously the the easiest thing for another Australian player on the big dance is to have Brett Coletta. I reckon somewhere in top 15 would guarantee it. 20 would be good, but he has to make the cut. So That's the per- bottom line. So Percy to win it. Arnold and Coletta tie second. That's a great result. Perfect. That, that'll that'll do us. That'll do us just nicely. Yeah. Oh, I can see that happening. Yeah. Well, no it's problem. actually been. It, I know that sounds far fetched, but it actually, you know, it, there's been times this year when that's looked like a possibility. So, mm. so mm. why not? Yeah. And that's you cool. get a double crack at it because if if it doesn't happen this week, you've got the three weeks of the finals where mm. where you have another go. So, Andy, one more while we're go still on, in North right America. Um, Ryan Ruffles. Oh yeah. Yes. Now, it's his fourth top three finish. So he's in Edmonton on the McKenzie Tour in Canada. Uh, the fourth top three finish of his season between Canada and the Latino America Tour, which I think is quite amazing in itself, don't you? Oh, I do. No, absolutely. I mean, he's he's contending enough, and he's contending not where he wants to play, but well, not where he sees himself playing ultimately, but he's contending. You know, we've spoken to him about that on this show, and – uh, what are they? You've got to keep sticking your head above the footy, you know, before you're going to sort of get it in other codes. And he keeps sticking his nose in the frame. So sooner or later. So at the moment, we, in the Latino tour, where it's in a bit of a hiatus, a mm-hmm. mid-season hiatus, mm-hmm. uh, he's still fifth. Top five will get into the KFT. He's now fifteenth in just three starts on in Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, top five will get you up okay, again. Righto. And he's got a handful of tournaments still to play. So is, there are three more events on the McKenzie Tour and then the, the the Tour Championship. So four events in total. 
And other than the um, the tour championship, um, they don't conflict. So I would imagine, without having spoken to to Ruffles, that he would um, stick around in Canada. Yeah. Um, he's, so he's got a month of flat out action to try and get a card another way he hadn't even thought of. And then if that flops, he can go back and focus on um, on Latino yep. America. But he's yep. got two legitimate shots at a web card. Yep. A Again, card. back up and he's giving himself more chances. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So great achievement. There's a bit to look at over the next, uh, over the weekend. There's um, you know, young players who are, you know, sort of desperate to take the next step. And we've got a couple who are in the mix who are uh, desperate to do just that. So we'll keep an eye on that. And if you miss it, we'll bring you up to date with all of that. On next week's show, we'll get a break out of the way. We'll see how we're going over in America. Well, we're ho- hoping for Matty Jones, yeah, we'll but it doesn't him, look good at this stage. All right, we'll give him another call uh, during the break. We'll see how we go. Um, we'll make it up as we go along if we can't get Matty Jones on the other side of this. You're listening to Inside the Ropes. Hi, I'm Minji Lee, and I'm proud to be an ambassador for MyGolf, Australian Golf's national junior program. One of my favourite things about coming back to Australia is seeing all the kids getting into golf. My golf is every Aussie kid's first step on their golfing pathway. It's all about fun and friendship, learning golf and life skills in a safe and healthy environment. So, if your child is between 5 and 12 years old, be sure to find a program near you at mygolf.org.au. Welcome back to the show. Uh, it is Inside the Ropes, and we've had some luck. Uh, Hazy has just exercised his significant influence, and Matty Jones has picked up the phone uh, over on the other side of the planet, uh, and he joins on the show. Matt, uh, thanks for joining us on Inside the Ropes, mate. Oh, no worries. Happy to be here. I think a couple of weeks ago, uh, Hazy was telling us off air before that he had a conversation with you about you know where you're at in terms of your hunt for... PGA Tour status, and he was a bit more confident than you might have been at the time. But since then, there's been some really positive movement. Uh, it must be a great sense of satisfaction that you've played yourself back onto the tour next year. Uh, no, there is. I mean, as when he said I was safe at three fifty points, I knew I was. I knew I wasn't safe, so I thought I'd better get something done. And uh, <laughs> fourth place in uh, Kentucky at the Barbasol uh, was enough to do it. Thank. Uh, Thank God for that. Don't you trust my maths, Matt? Uh, no, you were you were you were like thirty points off. Oh, so <laughs> I would have. I, would, I didn't want to have to go back to the Web Tour or the Corn Ferry Finals again. So yeah. no, it was uh, it was good um, to get back to the finals, the playoffs for us here. Is uh, I mean that's always a goal. Might not be the number one goal, but it's one of the goals to start the year and. Uh, going to have to go back to the Corn Ferry, Corn Ferry Finals or whatever they're called now is, uh, is a good thing. But we, before we talk to you about this week, I mean, it, it's doubly impressive to me because you've done it without full status at the start of the year. So you've, you know, you've had to really push hard at the start of the year, then just hang on and go for the ride. Yes. Um, um, look, I'm, I'm used to it actually since 16, 2016 after the 2015 season. That's all I've had to do, um, play on some type of conditional status um so to be able to get through this year and have a schedule next year where i'm not in probably two three events to start the year other than majors and wgc's is uh is nice um so i can pick and choose where i want to play if i'm tired i can just have i'm happy to take a week off which is going to be great it's a is that sort of really hard to back up every year knowing that, Matt? Like, you know, it doesn't allow you... I know that you were wrapped when you won the Australian Open and it's a, it's a big thing in your life, but you haven't even been able to come home and, and play in that necessarily because you've been, you know, pushing it uphill mm. at the end of a calendar year just to make the it's, make your path next year. Exactly right. No, I haven't had... Uh, ever since I won, I wasn't able to come back and defend and I came back, I think, in 17 and then... At the Aussie, and I finished second. Um, yeah, it's been a, it hasn't been the most ideal schedule for me. Uh, I always like to come back to Australia and play at least the Australian Open. Um, and uh, yeah, to have the status I do now going forward, uh, it makes life a lot easier. So I can pick pick my uh, schedule in the fall and whatever we call it. Over, I can't even remember what we call it in Australia. <laughs> um, <laughs> I've lived. I've actually lived here longer than I've lived in Australia now, so that's pretty sad to say. But uh, I'll come back there and uh, be able to play the Australian Open, which is going to be fantastic. 
Matt, do you, when you turn your, I ask you to turn your um, kind of mind back to say 2014, 15, when you were, you know, deeply entrenched inside that top hundred and inside the top 50 and you, you, that, that's kind of where you sat in the world ago. Do you feel like you're still playing about the same now or, or has something shifted in your actual game in the subsequent three or four years? Um, definitely, definitely it was putting uh, shifted. Um, but that's that has come back this year, which is nice. And then my iron play, I've driven it, I've driven it a lot better the last two or three years. But my iron play has been the uh, downside, the downfall of my game, really. Um, where I always used to rely on iron play and chipping and putting, and my driver was always a weakness. Where driving the weak, a strength now, my iron play has uh, has, has deserted me, which goes hand in hand kind of because they're kind of two different swings. You need somewhat of a shallower angle of attack for a driver and then for an iron play, for a good iron play, you have typically a steeper angle of attack. So there's kind of two different swings for the golf game there and uh, we're actually, um, Gary's in town with me here right now trying to straighten the iron play out, get it ready for this week in uh, Jersey. And what sort of impact does that have? You get back Gary Barter, who's your coach, you get him to come over and spend some time with you. Do you find that that sharpens you up? Is that one of those things that you can kind of lean on from time to time, knowing that I'll get him over, he'll have a look, we'll work on something, and I'll get a spike from having him, you know, there in your corner, um, kind of face-to-face? Yeah, I would definitely say 75% of the time it does pay off. I mean, we always have those weeks where he'll come over and I've missed a cut or I've missed a cut for a couple of weeks but they're few and far between but uh, yeah, when he's over here I have a tendency that everything else, everything in my golf game becomes sharper um, more so probably because I just trust what we're doing and I trust myself to let it go and the ball will do what it's what I intended to do um, but I'm uh, not, when I don't see him for a while I probably second guess myself a little bit like all golfers would do, I think, after a while of not seeing a golf coach or being out on the road for three or four weeks in a row and you get tired, fatigued, and uh, you're probably a little less confident, I would believe. So how do you manage that, Matt, with, with getting Gary over? You said you have a spike each time he comes. Is there a balance between having him too much and losing that spark if you got him over too often, or is it, is I, it something I, that you work for on? Me, no, yeah, for me... I mean, ideally, if it's a three-day stretch and that's all I need for a while, um, I couldn't I couldn't do it with a coach too often for me. Um, I see some guys out here that have their coach out every week, and that would that would mentally drive me crazy trying to think, figure out something <laughs> on a golf swing that often. Um, but, yeah, but with that being said, Gary still does come over in a in the calendar year I'd probably say he'd come over six times maybe even more so I still see him plenty and we do speak a lot on the phone too and he'll do FaceTime phone lessons with me um, if I'm struggling a little bit but uh, yeah I don't need we used to work a lot when we were, when I was younger and when I was on first getting out here but uh, I'm a little more self-sufficient now and just to tighten some things up here and there we get a little loose sometimes from being out on the road for so long, I think. Um, and you kind of forget about what you're trying to do when you're in tournament mode. You're just trying to play golf and trying to get the ball in the hole as quick as possible. So such a fine line, Matt. Um, you mentioned your putting before. I did some stats with you when we were talking at the US Open. 0.2 um, putts around better this year. And it equates to a massive rise. Does, is that yes. what do you actually do to get zero point two putts per round better? What, what's what's your process? Um, it was actually it's more just about technique for me. It was um, I, I was having an issue for the last two or three years when I set up over the ball and I'd see a blank canvas. I always say um, I couldn't see the break of the hole for some reason. I don't know if it was eye line or what it was, but. I had a tendency to hit a block sometimes and then I have a tendency to hit a pull sometimes. So when you stand over a straight putt, you really have no chance. You've got to get lucky to make it if you've got a tendency, if you're having a push or a pull. Um, and we figured that out and I've started to, when I set up over the putt, I can see the break of the putt now. And you can't make a putt if you can't see the break when you're over the ball. And we figured that out and 
I've definitely made from six, ten feet and in. Um, I've been a lot better this year where last two or three years it was terrible. So how did you figure that out, Matt? It sounds like it was more a visual thing than a, a technical thing with your stroke. Uh, yeah, it was It was a combination of both um, and getting the stroke to match up to where I was looking. I was getting, I mean, I don't want to get too technical, but I was getting off plane when I was putting. Um, I was kind of going out to the right so then sometimes my face would be open and I'd block it and then I'd swing out to the right but close the face and miss it left. Um, but once I got the plane of the putter right, it seemed everything else seemed to match up and my eyes seemed to see it much easier. So are you a user of the green? We were having a chat about the green book, you know, the the, the green, earlier the green, in the show. The green reading the book. The green reading yep. book. Are you a user? Are you a believer in that? Uh, I have never. I've used it probably... I don't know how long we've had them on tour, and I've probably used it three times. Hallelujah. We, we, um, hate, we hate the thing, mate. We reckon it's a blot on the game. I was watching the Women's British, and you know, there are a couple of people. We were talking about Lexi Thompson. She, she was kind of bogged down by this book. She could, almost couldn't get herself over the thing to make a putt in the yep. first place because she was so consumed by what the book was telling her. Yeah. Well, I, I, don't, I, I get on there. I don't even know a lot what I'm looking at a lot of the time, and you've got to be <laughs> – You've got to trust that the greenkeeper's cut the pin in the right spot. Then you've got to step off, step off exactly where you are to be able to see the direction of it's going. There's a, there's a lot that goes into that. Where, I mean, I've, I've read greens now since I've played golf. Probably was that 30 years. So if you can't read a green after 30 years, you probably shouldn't be playing the game. So is it just on this? We spend a lot of time talking about pace supply on this show, and that's not an issue with you. We all know that. Do you, does it kind of get inside your head when? Are you good at blocking that out when you're playing with somebody who's, you know, kind of really slow? Yeah, yeah, I don't even notice it. Okay. Um, it's something I've dealt with and, I mean, golf's so, it's five-hour rounds out here, so it really doesn't matter who you play with, it's going to be a five-hour round no matter what. Um, so it it is what it is over here now. Um I'm not sure if there's anything being done about it, or if there are going to, if they can do anything about it. Um, but I don't. It doesn't affect me. I'm just. I'm used to waiting all the time. So if I'm waiting an extra five seconds, I don't really even notice it. I, I used. To, I mean, I normally hit and just walk ahead and do my own thing and talk to my caddy. So that's for probably why I don't even notice it. Yeah, right. Is it? Uh, you've spoken about that before, and I, I think that's tremendous the way you've mm. tackled it mentally. It's a blight on the game, though, Matt, isn't it? Surely. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's only going to get worse, too. Uh, when, you, when you see the kids coming out of college, their coaches, because they have to go speak to their coaches, their mental coaches, and it's all about the process. And the process for golfers nowadays seems to be longer instead of uh, being shorter. So I think that's something that could be dealt with and tried to fix it at a younger age where you can run your process quicker. But I think what Brooks said at the British Open about JB was perfect, and that's, the, I think, the biggest issue on tour is no one's ready to play when it's their turn. Um, and I think Brooks said it perfectly. Um, guys, wait till you hit, then I'll start getting a number, and I'll try and get a yardage, and it's um, that's, a, that's a big problem with the pace of play. If you're not playing one week... And the golf's on the tally. Do you can you sit down and watch it? Uh, no, I mean, I, I have three. I have a seven-year-old, a five-year-old, and a one-year-old. I don't have time <laughs> right, to okay. sit on a couch and right. watch TV. And if I am watching TV, it's going to be a kids show. There's no, there's nothing I watch on TV other than Mickey Mouse Clubhouse or <laughs> to be like Humphrey Bear back in Australia. Uh, yeah, God. <laughs> Matty, you mentioned it before about the Australian Open. When you when you think about your win on your home course there at the Australian Golf Club in Sydney, does it put a little smile on your face? Um, and and what's oh, your, what's your yeah. thoughts on it this year? Uh, yeah, no, I uh, I think about it often. Um, every time I'm in my in my office, I see the trophy. Um, it's a it's probably it'd probably be bigger than winning the Houston Open over here for me, I believe. Uh, and also, it's one that I wish and want to play every year. Um, so, and sometimes I haven't been able to, but uh, this year I'm definitely coming back and 
with the field that they're starting to assemble and the, the players that I hear will, that will be coming, um, it's going to be one of the best fields. I think it'll definitely be the best field I've ever played in. Might not be as good as the one at the Lakes when the last President's Cup was there. Uh, when Tiger played and all those guys, but I'm sure it's, it's going to be it's going to be a phenomenal field, and it's something I I want to play against the best at the Australian Open at the at the uh, Australian Golf Course. Well, you should put in. I mean, I can understand why you want it because you know this is where you're from and it's the National Open, but you play so well in the Australian Open. I mean, it's a good tournament for you historically. It's been a, a great event for you to play. Yeah, I, I think I've had a pretty good record there. Um, I think I've missed the cut once. I think I started playing in '07. And I think I've probably finished outside the top 10 once with a missed cut. I think I've had two runner-ups win and I've had a lot of other top 10. So, yeah, it's a it's a tournament I like to play and it's one I feel comfortable playing. And to be, to be able to come back and play in front, in front of friends and friends and families, something I always enjoy doing. Do you feel like um, Australian courses somewhat, you know, we, we, we grew up, uh, I'm a bit older than you, we grew up, you know, watching these really fast, bouncy, you know, summer um, kind of affected golf courses for Australian Opens that you know were what they were, and over the generations, the courses have got a bit greener and a bit. They're not lush by any stretch of the imagination, but they they are. They've changed a little bit in their kind of um, the personality of the golf course. Do you feel like um, you know somewhere we've become a bit more like some of the courses that you're a bit more used to playing in America? And obviously, not the same, but but. We've come a bit closer in condition to some of the courses that we play in America. Well, I mean, I'll probably cut, cop some flack for this, but the Australian golf course is a perfect example of what it used to be to what it is now when Jack came in and changed it. Mm. It's more like a course you play in Florida now than it, than it used to be, um, with the, all the bunkers rolled into the centre of the bunker. Um, the sand has to be white. Everything has to be green. Um, and that's not that's not golf in Australia. Golf in Australia is brown, hard and fast, especially with the brown sand that the Aussie has underneath it. It's kind of like the same in Melbourne, mm. um, and it's it's definitely more that way in Australia now than it used to be. So, if you were setting up Royal Melbourne for the President's Cup, what would you what would you suggest we do? Um, well, it depends on the team, I think. Um, because there's not going to be there's going to be Jason, Adam, and Leash and Cam, so they'll be fine on the hard and fast. But then it's the other team, yeah. other players that, that if they're used to playing hard and fast or not. So it's going to be a it's going to be a tough little combination because you're probably going to want to you probably want to set that for your weakest players to be honest to have a chance. Yeah, it's a good point. Um, yeah. And the American team the the American team's going to be so it is very stacked. It's going to be. <laughs> Very tough for the for the internationals, but I mean, setting it up hard and fast, you're going to want you're going to want players with great short games out there on the international team um, that can hit hit those shots on those on that course. Well, I haven't given um, up on I haven't given up but, on you yet, Matt. I reckon you can get there. I can get a couple of good results these next two weeks and get there yourself. That, that was that was a goal at the start of the year. Um, I started off a little way a little long, long ways behind, so I made it tougher. And, I mean, you never know. One a win this week could always go a long way. I'm sure only had like um, as many Australians as he could on that team. So the last time you made these playoffs, because I mean, I mean, you know, it, it, we we were talking about it before. It doesn't mean much in the big scheme of golf, really. But it's a really big chance for someone like yourself to push your claims, your rankings, your money, all that sort of it means stuff. A lot to players. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. yeah. yeah. So you made it as far as the second last week when it was four. Uh, was that three or four years ago, Matt? Probably when I won, I missed a six-footer on 18 to go to the Tour Championship, and I let Dustin. I remember that. That would have been 14. Well, you've let that go nicely. <laughs> yeah, no, I remember. I think about it. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> what does it mean to you this, this these few weeks? Is it, I mean, aside from money, is it, it is it something that's bigger on the players' radar than we expect? Um, for me personally, it's. I'm actually kind of freewheeling this week because I've I've got nothing to lose this week, um, especially with the cutoff being going straight from here to 70. Now, I mean, it used to be a little different when we had 125 to 100 to 70. 
then you could you could really make a move and a jump. But now from 125 to 70, from my current position, I'd have to, I'm assuming, I don't know what the numbers are, I'd have to finish 10 to 15th to have a chance to get the 70th. So it's kind of like a free week for me. It's a, it's a win-win. I can play really well or I'm done for the year and I get an off-season and get to prepare to start Greenbrier up in, I think, what's that, six or seven weeks, we start back up again. Yeah. Mate, we wish you well. It's um, you know, with the, right from the very start, we went back, and you know, when you when you're doing what you do for a living, you know, you have all sorts of aspirations to you know, kind of win this and win that and be here and be there. But surely, Matty, one of the primary uh, goals is to stay employed and stay employed where you want to uh, work. And at the moment, this is the best place for you to be working. So. Kudos to you for digging yourself out of the hole that you you know you were in, and to get yourself where you are. Um, it's being noticed uh, by all golf fans back home in Australia, and uh, it's a it's a hell of a story. Um, even though it might not be necessarily the story that you wanted to write for yourself in 2019. So, um, good luck the coming weeks. Good luck for next year, and we'll be watching from uh, from back here, mate. Thanks for joining us on the show. Thanks, fellas. Have a good night. Oh, yeah. Have a good day. Yeah, you too. Thanks, Matty. <laughs> Matt Jones joining us on Inside Bye-bye. the Ropes. Uh, we'll be back with more after the break. The Golf Australia website is now the place to go to look up your handicap and so much more. Whether you're out and about on your phone or in the office trying to avoid work, just go to golf.org.au and punch your golf link number into the box at the top of the homepage. Who knows, maybe that last round was just good enough to put you in single figures. While you're on the site, check out the daily golf results at your club, view our course index for up-to-date ratings, read the latest golf news from home and abroad, listen Listen to Australian golf podcasts and interviews and watch video tournament highlights or tips to improve your game. It's everything a golf tragic could want. Visit golf.org.au today. The home of Australian golf. Welcome back to Inside the Ropes. Uh, Just about done and dusted, although we have got... Well, I shouldn't say that because this could be as good as it gets, as good as Matt Jones was oh, and is. I love Matty, just yeah, by so, the way, yeah, no, before, good. before we get too far away from that. I reckon yeah. he's awesome. We get a letter from the committee? He might. He might. Matthew. Dear Matthew, <laughs> we regard you very highly as a member of the Australian Golf Club, but please refrain <laughs> in the future. <laughs> it's, a great, it's a great club. Which is not what he was talking about. No, of course, no, no. Make, um, the point he was making was extremely valid. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Yeah, we just want it, you know you'd like it to be. As my, and I love the club. I absolutely love the club. Yeah, great no, people, super. great um, ground staff, great everything, and a fantastic host of an like it's a awesome really good setup. Venue. Yeah, it really yeah. is. Yeah. Brilliant amphitheater on yep. the eighteenth. Yep. So many ticks, but you know it just it it clearly isn't representative of what Australian golf is. So no, no. You know, it, it is what it is. But it's good of him to speak his mind as always. Yeah, absolutely. People have uh, also flocked Andy to another young fella. Oh my God, Charlie uh, Robbins! Charlie Robbins, the Robo. golfing, the golfing ninja, and we had a, a very fleeting opportunity, and and I, I put Joey Charlton into bat, and she caught up with the golfing ninja who's taken Australia by storm. Well, thanks, Hazy, and how lucky we are by the inside of the rope family to be joined here by the golfing ninja, Charlie Robbins. How does that sound? Uh, it's pretty crazy still at the moment, still trying to get used to it, but um, yeah, it's pretty exciting. You're known for your golf, obviously, and I, for one, have watched you grow up through the uh, the junior ranks down on the Mornington Peninsula, and they dressed you up in your golf gear, um, but there's obviously no hiding that you've put in some, some hours, maybe days and weeks and months into preparing for this for this competition. Yeah, um, so like you said, I've played golf all the way through juniors and stuff, but I've also done gymnastics for quite a while as well since I was probably four or five Um, and then I started training at a ninja specific gym probably two years ago just for a bit of fun and then Ninja Warrior came along on TV and thought we'd give it a crack applied for season two didn't quite get on and then I was lucky enough to get on to season three and yeah the rest is history I guess. So a ninja specific gym tell us a little bit more about that. Um, Well Initially, I was joined up at just a regular gym, but I got bored of just pushing weights and stuff. So I, never, I was never really going. It was just a waste of money. Um, and one of my mates got me into this place, and it's more just obstacles and stuff. So a lot of different grips to hang off and sort of just making your way. It's, yeah, sort of just more obstacle-based than just weights and stuff. So really, really set up for the actual competition, which you um just made look so 
so easy. <laughs> I must say it was such a treat <laughs> watching you. I had heard a few whispers around the, the local tracks down on the peninsula that you were on and I'm thinking, oh, geez, he must be doing pretty well, I reckon. So I'm going to, I'm going to tune in. Uh, I'm interested to know the ins and outs of behind the scenes. Do you step up and do you get practice runs on, on those obstacle courses? No, nah, no practice. Um, they take us for a demo. They take us there a little bit earlier than all the audience and stuff get there. So maybe around five or something in the other. Um, and they do like a demonstration and that's just for like safety. And so we know the rules on each obstacle and what we can and can't use as part of it. Um, but we don't get to practice any of it, which is one of the hardest thing is trying to adapt to something you've never tried before. Oh yeah, I bet. So how many hours do you have sort of, so you ride there at five and then when does um, sort of the production start? Yeah, we. I didn't do my heats run until 1.30 in the morning and I wasn't even one of the last people to do it. Fair income. Yeah, so we're sitting around. As On the very first day, I got up to the city at about 7.30 for photos and interviews and stuff and then sort of sat around in the city all day, went to the course around 4 or 5 um, and then pretty much just sat in the tent in the backstage for six or so hours until it was my turn. Gosh, that must have mucked around with your, your golfing body clock, which is usually at the other end. We're usually pretty good at getting up early in the morning, but one thirty in the morning, I wouldn't have been able to keep my eyes open. But I'm sure there was a lot of adrenaline that was pumping through your, through your body. Let's talk about your golf. Obviously, that's another great passion of, of yours and your family's. How, how have the two sort of complemented one another over the time? Um, I think in terms of physically, I don't think they have as much. That's probably, the physical side probably comes more from gymnastics. Um, but I think mentally, being an individual sport um, and be, having experienced a few like pressure situations through match play and whatever and a few bigger tournaments, um, I think just being used to being up there by yourself and sort of making your own decisions and having everything rely on you um, as opposed to like team sports like footy or cricket or basketball or whatever. Um, I think I've felt fairly comfortable up there compared to... I can't speak for other people, but I assume... I was feeling pretty comfortable you were, in those situations, I guess. Yeah, yeah well, well, from an outsider looking in, you certainly did that. You look so cool, calm and collected. And uh, obviously the, the pressure of being in that elite company and obviously they, they are now in the elite company of, of yourself being being the champion um, didn't didn't get to you at, at all. And golf does teach you a lot of great things and in regards to that, so that's wonderful to hear. What about down home on the peninsula? How have the local community embraced you? Um, well, I haven't actually been home too much since <laughs> it obviously aired. Oh, they um, flew me up to Sydney so I could be on the Today Show. So I was pretty much in Sydney all of yesterday. But um, I went, because I coached gymnastics, I went to the gym on the way home and saw a few of the kids. And as I walked in, everyone went a little bit crazy. So it was pretty cool. But um, yeah, I haven't really run into too many people <laughs> I reckon yet. So it'll be interesting the next few weeks walking down the street, see what yeah. happens. I reckon you've got a few fans and I think Rebecca Madden's in that camp as, as, as well. Uh, yesterday or uh, when we were shooting episode 113 of Inside the Ropes, we sort of threw around a few t names, some golfing names of potential golfers that we thought maybe could take to the to the obstacle. I wanted to get your thoughts on it. Greg Norman, uh, how would he sort of stack up, do you reckon, on, on an obstacle course like Ninja Warrior? Um, from, from what I've seen, he's very fit still, even <laughs> though he's, a little bit older now. Um, <laughs> there was a guy called Pa Rambo, who I think is probably in his 60s or 70s, who took on the course. No, well, well done. Uh, obviously, we're just all super pumped and, and, and proud of you. Thank you. Really quite unbelievable to watch. And uh, I want to know what's next. Uh, I hear maybe a holiday's on the cards, or are you um, already campaigning for uh, the next next season? No, taking a, I'm going to Europe for a little bit, so that'll be about a month and a half, give or take. Um, hopefully when I get back a few more golf tournaments, so maybe the Dunes medal and a few Ivo Wittens around Victoria. Um, and then, yeah, we'll see. But, um, yeah, season four will start, oh, I think we did filming in November last year. So it'll be about the same time this time. So yeah, it's not far away either. So you're good at keeping secrets too. No, yeah, I was really lucky. I had a lot of friends and family go up and actually watch the show. So, um, it was a long time waiting, but it's not. I, I didn't feel like I had to keep much of a secret because most of the close people to me already knew. Yeah. So I could speak to them if I felt like I had to. Yeah, and how wonderful it was to see grandpa, grandma, parents, and obviously many fans in the stands with you. We were all out there cheering for you too, watching it obviously in delay, uh, six months after the fact. <laughs> um, but no, no well, all the support's been great. Yeah, no, well done, mate. Uh, super, super happy for you. Go and enjoy some nice sangria. 
or Pinot in, in, in France, whatever is on the cards. Something and like we'll see yeah, you awesome. see you back at the uh, June's medal. Awesome. Thank you very much. So there you go. There is Charlie Robbins, the Ninja Warrior. It's um, a bit unfair that somebody can be um, cross Jason Bourne, cross Jack Nicholas. That's kind of not really right, is it? You know? <laughs> You know who Jason Bourne is? You had no yeah. idea who you no. had no idea who the shot what the shy was and who Bill Baggins was. The idea, That's you know. I am proud of that fact. No, the Bourne no, identity. I'd be proud of that, mate. I mean the the Lord of the Rings is one of the great trilogies. Yeah, it's true, it's <laughs> the trilogies. Yeah. I know, and I couldn't get through ten minutes of the first one. <laughs> <laughs> it's not everyone's cup of tea. Bourne identity, Andy, we're all over it. Thank you. Uh, good on him. Yeah, and you know, he's you know, he obviously has eyes on a couple of big amateur tournaments there, Matty. So. Yeah, he said he's coming back for the Junes medal, and he he can play. He's mm. a he's a genuinely good scratch marker. Better than that, he was he was up the top of the leaderboard at the Portsea Open Amateur a couple of weeks ago, which is obviously his home club, but mm. um, he, he's a golfer. Mm. Mm. Uh, what else before we wrap it up today? What else? Is going uh, a few on? little things, Andy, at the other end of the scale, because I don't think Peter Lonard's going to be swinging from the, uh, the, no, it's not the, his go. the high ropes of the Ninja course. Uh, but wouldn't Pete, mind seeing it, though. That'd be good, wouldn't yeah, it? Yeah. Back in the day, he might have had a crack at it. I reckon Fowler would go right at that. <laughs> Good frame. Lanky. Good frame. Yeah. Wiry. Yeah. No? Oh, I just reckon it might be a little bit sort of – he might be a bit stiff in the back department. Yeah, probably. Anyway, not what they weren't um, lacking this week. Peter Lonard, Dave McKenzie, and Peter Fowler all had legitimate shots at various stages of winning uh, in London on the Stay Sure – Stay Sure. That was pretty – Stay Sure. Stay Sure. PGA Seniors Championship, the European Seniors Tour. Um Lonard and McKenzie both led at various stages. Uh, Fowler was never far away. Lonard ended up T2, McKenzie 5, and Peter Fowler 6, tied 6. So great. great result for the for the old boys there. And the Aussies in England doing well. Um, at the other end of the spectrum, Matty, the US, we're recording this on Tuesday afternoon. We've just seen the end of the first round of two stroke play qualifying rounds for the US Women's Amateur. We have um, Dory Choi, the best Australian, right up there in uh, in 10th. At this stage, uh, she had one under par. Always a tough setup. Those US amateur courses, they go, uh, they go right to the extreme. Um, the, the course rating for this one, um, it was the first time it's ever been held at this course in Mississippi. It's seventy-eight, and the stroke, uh, the slope rating is one hundred and fifty. Yeah, it's extreme. It's, it's, extreme it's, it's, it's minus one's not bad going from Dowie and the others. So Gabby Ruffles, pretty handy, Matty at uh, t- at. Uh, even par. Even par for Gabby. Uh, so they're comfortably in that top 64 with a round to go and Hazy a couple on the bubble. Yeah, Steph Kiriakou is the one who's right on the bubble. She's at three over and she's going to um, face a, a, obviously ne- the need to shoot something around even par tomorrow. Becky Kay at plus four. Unfortunately, I reckon we're not going to see unless something uh, radically different happens in the second round. Jess Whitting from Perth, Amelia Groen from Coffs Harbour. Uh, and Sue Worcester, friend of the podcast. Yeah, my word. Uh, she yeah. got in courtesy of her great result in the senior uh, US amateur last year. So she's um, not without a chance, but at plus eight, she's going to need to do something pretty good in the second round. But great to see seven women uh, from Australia in the in the premier amateur event in women's golf. <laughs> uh, done? Yes, probably, if you don't mind, because you were obviously there as part of it, can you mention what we were doing last night? Oh, for goodness sake, of course. Um well, it was the official launch last night of uh, Jared's book. Um, we spent time with Bry, obviously, on this pod talking about it. We spent time with you and um, Blakey on the way through, Hazy, you know, talking about um, the uh, profound responsibility that you two had to, um, you know, put the big fella's words into, you know, that form. And um, it was officially launched at Commonwealth Golf Club last night. And Yeah, huge thanks to Commonwealth yeah, absolutely. and the Challenge yeah. crew um, for for putting it all together, great day, pretty emotional. Andy got thrown a bit of <laughs> a bit of a curveball, Matty, because he had to come on and um, and compare the actual physical launch, and it was a bit of a tear jerking no, video yeah. montage that preceded him. So was, he was sort of picking some bottom lips up off the oh, ground there for a second, but... blowing of noses and <laughs> tissues are plenty, and but it was a beautiful play. I was lucky. We're lucky. Yeah. I, mean, I was lucky to be there. I'm very much on the fringe of the Lyle community, but um, no, lucky to be there. And uh, it was, yeah, terrific to be part of, you know, something that I think a lot of people are going to read and it's going to carry the voice of Jared, you know, into future generations, which is a lovely thing. Is it available yet? When, when it is available in all bookstores now um, of note and uh, also 
via the challenge website at challenge.org.au, but it's actually out and about now. And um, depending on when you're listening to this or you can eye view it, I suppose, um, you can go and listen, watch on the project on Channel 10, Bryony's story, a great interview, I'm led to believe, with um, Carrie Bickmore, um, both of whom obviously have lost their husbands mm. um, to various forms of cancer. Uh, so I think it's a pretty compelling interview, I'm led to believe, and that's airing cool. on Wednesday on Channel 10. So um, check that out. If you can't do it live, depending on when you're listening, uh, go back to iView. It's going to be worthwhile. Uh, indeed. Here, here. Uh, the golf, the fan club will be happy. Expanding by number on a daily basis. The Mac Cup. Talking Mac, to you, Hazy. The Mac Cutler fan club on Twitter, if you want to find it. Good to see you, mate. Go Blues. Go and beat those Tigers on Friday night. Oh, Sunday. 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 At the G. Yeah. Well done, Hazy. Thank you, Murray. Good luck with the Hawks. They'll pick themselves up in about 10 years. Get a decent coach. We can't wait, can we? Hey? Wait, we, we, Come on, we've been... Yeah, no, you have. You've had we, your time. If we miss the finals this year, so we won in a row. <laughs> and that's why we're sick of you. Thanks for tuning in, folks. This has been Inside the Ropes, episode number 114. That means 115 happens next week. We'll be here to do it all again. We'll see you then.